That's why Freddie Mercury was in the questions there. And uh, we're looking today at all sorts of things, aren't we? Youth and children and our history. It's been a history weekend. So I'm wanting to tell you a story which relates to all those things. But first of all, just an interesting point about Queen. They went through a patch where they were really having a struggly time. They were all falling out with each other, and it was all really grim. And then Freddie Mercury realized that he had AIDS and that his days were numbered. And he eventually shared that with the group. And from that moment on, they changed the way they worked. And they decided they were no longer claimed the rights to their particular songs. They were now a group. They had two passions. One was music, and the other one was to leave something for the next generation. And they agreed together, and they worked hard, and they dropped all the personal stuff, and worked really hard till he died. And it's interesting, isn't it? That death brings things to the fore. <laughs> it really does. And this story is about a young man that did that. Okay, so this is a story of a chap called John. Now, he was the John who I saw his funeral back on April the 13th of this year, even though he died in 1821. And you may have seen it on the news, BBC, the local papers. It was in the Telegraph, the Daily Mail as well. It's an interesting story. So if you'll excuse me, I'm going to tell you the story. Okay? And through that story, I want to ask these two questions. next few days, she walked from Hannam into the BRI to receive treatment for her head injury. And when, he went, when she went to the BRI, there was a particular surgeon there that saw him after a week or so, um, who said, uh, mm, I, I, like the, I like the look of this kind of injury. I'd like to do some operation. It was an operation that had never been successful to that day, and it was drilling a hole through the skull to relieve pressure or something like that. And he did this operation, and he did it twice, and she died. Then the surgeon did the autopsy and recommended that John be had up for murder. You can question the justice of that. So the police charged John, and he was arrested. He was sure he'd be released. Maybe because he thought the whole thing was just a big mistake, and yes, he'd been angry, yes, he was a, a, a nasty lad, if you like, but he didn't cause, he didn't want to kill her, and didn't think he did. But maybe he was just a rebellious teenager who thought that, well, I'm always right. I don't know. We don't know. But anyway, on April the 11th, 1821, at 5.10 p.m., the jury in the case found John guilty of murder. The judge placed the black hat on his head 
and ordered him to be hanged two days later. And so he was. It was the first public hanging in the new Bristol jail in the Cumberland Road. There were so many present, there was concern for the safety of the crowds watching that they'd actually get pushed into the river. As a hanged man, the family didn't have the body. It went for medical research. Then claimed the body. Again, you kind of question what was going on there. And he used it for medical dissection. And he sent the skin to a tanner. And it was used to bind a book about the case. And the surgeon paid for that book. I think it cost him £10. It's got a skull and crossbones on it and a gallows. And you can see it in the Bristol Records office. It's there. A book with human skin describing this story. Skeleton was buried on April the 13th this year at exactly 1.30pm, 190 years after the day he was hanged. Morbid, gruesome story. But another interesting thing about this is that there's some church records that are to do with this church when it was called Old King Street Baptist Church in the centre of town. And Mari has faithfully been typing up all these records, and I, I really thank her for that. Because the vicar here, or the minister here, or whatever you want to call him, was called Thomas Roberts. And he went down to the jail to visit this young man, John, to try and help him and get alongside him because he was concerned salvation, basically. And he asked these kind of questions. Are you at peace with God? And are you at peace with your fellow man? Now, John was illiterate, uneducated. In fact, it's quoted that Mr. Roberts said he was garrisoned with a mud of ignorance, <laughs> which is interesting. But there came a day when John got utterly convicted. Not because of just what he'd done to Eliza, but he realized what a wretched boy he was. And it's recorded in, in the church records that he sat on the side of his bed and presented a scene of horror and agony of mind that Mr. Roberts had never witnessed before. This poor young man realized that he was at the end of the road. He was going to be hanged in a matter of days. And he hadn't had a happy day in his life, is what's recorded of him. But on the day of his, he came to peace, I have to say. He came to peace, very clearly came to peace. To such an extent, he was a transformed character. And the people in the jail noticed it and said it. And on the day of his hanging, he said to Thomas Roberts, I hope Jesus will save me for this reason. Was it not love that caused him to die for all? And if he had enough love to die for sinners... Will he not do so for me? John also asked Mr. Roberts to call a servant.
So you may think life is unfair. I think it was for John. You may think you've been treated unjustly. But in the end, we can't blame God for our own state of heart. We can't blame other people for our own state of heart. If you and I are really serious, we realize we've got a disposition of sin in our lives. And we have to take responsibility for it. I wonder, what about this word sin? It's gone out of fashion, hasn't it? And uh, understandably, because it had so many connotations, didn't it? What is sin, then? It's this, I think, basically. It's anything that's offensive to God and offensive to your fellow man. Basically, it's selfishness. But here's the good news. Even though this sin is the ruin of us, God hates it because it ruins you and it ruins your fellow man and it ruins creation. The good news is that even though we are guilty as charged, God has taken the punishment for it. What an amazing thing. He died unjustly. Jesus Christ died unjustly. He never did anything wrong. He never lied. And yet he was crucified, hanged, if you like. So what's our hope? We recognize, like John did, that we too are messed up. And receive a promise from God that he himself will change us and forgive us. Is that impossible? Well, yes. (laughs) Which is why Jesus did so many impossible things when he came to earth, didn't he? (laughs) If you read Mark's Gospel, it was the first Gospel written. Mark wrote it just when Rome was being burned and Nero started attacking the Christians for it, blaming them for it. Mark thought, I'd better write this down, this stuff I know, so that everyone knows it and it's recorded. Read it. It's just miracle after miracle after miracle. Event after event after event. Lepers being healed. Storms being calmed. People being raised from the dead. Feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves and a couple of fish. It's ridiculous. It's impossible. Because Jesus was saying, the impossible is possible. The impossible that I could be forgiven is possible. The impossible that my wicked heart can be changed is possible. Ultimately, what proved it was resurrection, wasn't it? On that amazing day, who would say that someone could be raised from the dead? And Jesus himself rose from the dead. Praise God. And nothing has ever been the same since. (laughs) And that's our hope, isn't it? It's our hope. So are you at peace with God? And are you at peace with your fellow man? Do you still have dark secrets that you just carry around with you? that you wouldn't want others or God to know about. Anger, addictions, lust, these kind of things. You know, we're human. Have you let God deal with them? (laughs) Because he wants to. For John, it's recorded. He didn't know how to pray. He was in his prison cell. And and, uh, Mr. Roberts said, well, you can pray, John. He said, oh, I don't know how to pray. I'm not religious. I've never heard of God. I don't do that stuff. He said, just use your words. What is it you want? He said, I want mercy. He said, well, pray for mercy. (laughs) And he did. And he knew it. God heard him. So, 
Jesus isn't religious, you know, he's dead real. <laughs> he's not churchified, he's real. And we've got an amazing message, haven't we, of hope, of good news. Good news for the worst of us. And I think if we're real, we'll all realize we're the worst of us. <laughs> there you are. That's the story of John Hallwood. Great story. If you want a transcript of what Murray's typed up of his story, you're welcome to it. There's quite a lot available on the internet as well. But I thought it'd be good on this day when we're looking at history to think, wow, there's an 18-year-old who found peace with God. And you can find it too. Bless God for that. Crash. <laughs>